The story you're about to hear happened in the small town of Lemahatch, Indiana. The day, August 5th, 1903. The time, shortly before noon, and Jim Ficklesworth was making his way down Main Street, hat in hand, palms sweaty, a shaky feeling in the pit of his stomach. If all went well, within a few hours, Jim Ficklesworth would be engaged to the most handsome woman in all of Pigeonhole County, Miss April Cunningham. He'd had the moment planned out in his head for months. He would ask Miss April Cunningham to take a walk with him to the woods behind her house where they'd follow the path circling the beautiful Swan Song Pond. And once they'd reached the freshly whitewashed gazebo, he would get down on one knee and ask her to be his wife. He'd give her his grandmother's antique amethyst engagement ring and she would leap into his arms deliriously in love. Yes, Jim Ficklesworth had the plan, the location, even the ring. But, as is often the case for romantic young men, there was only one more daunting task that stood between him and his future bride. He had to ask her father's permission. What if you could travel through time? Would you use this power for something important? Or would you use it to do something a bit trivial, a bit selfish, or even a bit silly? Join us for A Bit of Time Travel. Now what you need to know about the Cunninghams is that they were an extremely well-to-do family who were respected in Lamahatch for owning the largest chain of luxury hotels this side of the Mason-Dixon line. Mr. Cunningham was known for his tough negotiation style and his no-nonsense approach to business and to life. Now, if this didn't make Jim's situation nerve-wracking enough, it certainly didn't help that Mr. Cunningham was not particularly fond of Jim Ficklesworth. A block away from the Cunningham residence, Jim Ficklesworth was as nervous as a cat wrapped in a ball of yarn. But he was determined. With every step he took, both his dreams and his nightmares were becoming a reality. As he opened the gate of the white picket fence, the town clock struck noon. He felt a burst of determined energy rise in him as he walked up the brick path, knocked on the front door, and waited. The door swung open and Jim Ficklesworth stepped inside. There before him stood a grand congregation of Cunninghams, brothers and sisters, grandmas and grandpas, first cousins twice removed and second cousins once removed from the local pub for brawling. At the sound of the door swinging open, they all swung their heads toward Jim Ficklesworth <laughs> and burst into laughter. They all laughed. The children laughed, the aunts and uncles laughed, even lock-jawed Grandma Ethel and her dog laughed. All except for Lloyd Cunningham, of course. He was not amused. The laughter, it was said, was heard all the way down to old Mrs. O'Leary's house where she was hanging up her wash, and over to Thomas Fibble's butcher shop on 3rd Street, and down even to the local police station, if you could believe it, where Constable York broke his favorite lead pencil when he heard the noise. The whole town heard the laughter, and they all came rushing over to laugh as well. And as for those who did not hear the laughter, they heard the story, which was almost as funny as being there in person. A lot can happen in a hundred years. Kingdoms can rise and fall, landscapes can morph and change, and stories can be told and forgotten. 
but not for everyone. No, that's just for the lucky ones, I'm afraid. Today, Lemahatch is a tough town to get to. If you take a right turn off Route 69 north from Kentucky, then take another right, then a left, then another left past the world's second largest ear of corn, you might just stumble upon it. In Lemahatch, you'll drive through an old-fashioned but well-kept town and see signs for local businesses, such as the local pub, the Poor Ye Ficklesworth, the clothing store, dressed better than Ficklesworth, as well as the Don't Be a Ficklesworth Unemployment Agency. You'd think that the Ficklesworth family owned this town by the way the Ficklesworth name was plastered on everything, but you'd be wrong in thinking that. Because of the events of August 5, 1903, the Ficklesworth name was daily ridiculed. In fact, every mayor elected since 1903 had run using the slogan, at least I'm not a Ficklesworth, and won by 100% of the vote. And every year, the town of Lamahatch celebrates Ficklesworth Day, where its citizens take off work to reenact that fateful day. Well, everyone celebrates except for one man, and his name is Lionel Ficklesworth, the great-great-great-grandson of the not-so-great aforementioned Jim. Now, Lionel was a quiet and reserved man who worked the night shift at the butcher shop, mopping blood off the floor. You see, the reason he kept to himself was because the residents of Lamahatch never forgot the events of that fateful day. And when they saw him, they'd remember the hilarious story of Jim Ficklesworth, and they'd laugh. Everyone laughed. When school children passed him in the street, they'd laugh. When he picked up his check from his boss, he'd laugh. In fact, just this morning when Lionel was on his way to pick up some groceries, the town minister pointed at him from across the street and said, Hey, look, everybody. It's Ficklesworth. <laughs> Hoping to remove himself from yet another uncomfortable situation, Lionel spotted the closest open door and stepped inside. He found himself inside the local library. He wandered the shelves waiting for the laughter outside to subside. But here, too, the reminders of who he was and where he came from were all too prominent. On the bulletin board, his eye caught sight of an advertisement for $10 an hour tutoring sessions. The first line read, To help students succeed and not to grow up into illiterate Ficklesworths. Lionel cringed. This was one of the meanest insults he had ever read. Near tears, poor Lionel Ficklesworth went to the self-help section, motivated by a random thought that he might find a book about what to do if you're being laughed at because of something dumb your great-great-great-grandfather did 115 years ago. Of course, he did not find such a book, but he did see the book How to Build a Time Machine. A time machine? He thought to himself. What an extraordinary idea. The plan presented itself immediately. What if he could build a time machine and go back in time to prevent his great-great-great-grandfather from ever embarrassing himself at the Cunningham home? Lionel carried the book home. After he had watered his ferns and pruned his gardenias, he made himself a cup of Earl Grey tea and sat down to read. After he had finished War and Peace, he turned his attention to how to build a time machine. He was quite surprised by the information he read on the first page. Chapter 1. It's easier than you think. Did you know that it's easier to build a time machine than you think? You can build a time machine using common household objects. After reading the rest of the book, Lionel determined that it was in fact easier than he thought and he could build a time machine using common household objects. So he began to collect the necessary materials. He gathered together a 60-watt incandescent light bulb, a shower curtain, a rubber band, a coat hanger, two tea kettles, a kaleidoscope, a thesaurus, a print of Norman Rockwell's Rosie the Riveter, and two T-bone steaks cooked medium rare. Please note, you can substitute any of these items with a fully functioning time machine. 
Thankfully, he did have these items, and around 6 a.m., after the machine was fully assembled, Lionel entered the day he would travel to, August 5th, 1903. But what time of day should he enter? He knew that the events took place around noon and decided... 11 a.m. That should certainly give me enough time to get to the Cunningham home and stop Jim from entering. Lionel took a deep breath before performing the final instruction written on page 231. Press the flashing green button. Here goes nothing. As soon as he had pressed it, Lionel Ficklesworth found himself transported through time and space. Lionel Ficklesworth found himself in an open field. Get out of here, cow! He sprang up, astonished at finding himself somewhere other than his living room. He glanced down at the machine, quietly humming beside him. He had done it. He had traveled back to Lemahatch at the turn of the century. The town up ahead was smaller and more primitive than the Lemahatch he knew, but there was no doubting its identity. The machine had worked. He thought for a brief moment of all the possibilities of this newfound power. Perhaps he could prevent an assassination or two, invest in the stock market, make a bet on a ball game. But no, he did not have time to think of such things. He remembered his mission and ran towards the Cunningham residence at the end of town. It dawned on him as he was running that he could hear a familiar noise in the distance that, to his horror, sounded remarkably like laughter. He turned his head to look at the Lamahatch clock tower as he ran through the city square. His heart sank as he saw both hands facing the number 12. Oh no, I've missed it. He had missed it. His great-great-great-grandpa Jim Ficklesworth was, at this very moment, being laughed at by more than a dozen members of the Cunningham family. How is that possible? I entered 11 a.m. into the machine. Indeed, he did enter 11 a.m. It was of no fault of his own that he'd arrived too late. The time machine was near foolproof. Its designer, Philip Balderman III, was exceptionally brilliant and calibrated the original machine with such precise detail that resulted in nearly no errors whatsoever. It performed successfully in 49 states as well as Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. But in Indiana, the time machine had inconsistent results. In multiple test runs, Balderman would input one time into the machine, yet arrive in another, always off by an hour or two. Balderman deduced that the imprecise results were due to Indiana's complicated and unusual history with time. Not only is the state currently split into both eastern and central time zones, but the line has been shifting westerly across the state for nearly a century, creating debates, laws, and even fights about which time zone the state of Indiana should be in. The matter is further aggravated by the state's odd implementation of daylight savings time, which from 1972 to 2006 saw those in the central time zones observing it, while those in the eastern standard time zones exempted from it, rendering all of those traveling throughout the state to be in a perpetual state of confusion about what time it really was. The machine, like the citizens of Indiana, could not make sense of it. But such details did not matter to Lionel, who was at this point running along with the rest of the town toward the laughter. He thought there might be some way of saving the situation. Perhaps he could give a rousing speech to the onlookers about the importance of respecting others, or the importance of preserving each individual's dignity. Perhaps he could do something embarrassing himself and distract everyone from poor great-great-great-grandpa Ficklesworth's misfortune. Without landing on an idea, Lionel and the crowd halted in front of the house just as Jim Ficklesworth was turning silently to leave. They watched him make his way somberly towards them, and without a moment's hesitation, the outside crowd joined in the laughter with those inside. 
Everyone, please, stop laughing at him. Why do you... But Lionel found himself distracted by the man exiting the house. Upon gazing at his great-great-great-grandfather, he realized that the sentiments of the crowd had become his own. The man looked absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Indeed, Lionel joined in laughter with the rest of the group, having never seen a sight quite like him. And the laughter that emerged from his mouth washed away every memory of hurt in his life. Every time someone laughed at him, every mean business sign or bulletin board advertisement with his name on it. For once, it was good to be on the other side of the laughter. It may have seemed mean, cruel even, for young Lionel to allow his ancestor to walk away from the crowd without any show of sympathy or recompense. It may be enough for you to dismiss young Lionel as a heartless figure, deserving of all brutality that had befallen him in his past. But time is a funny thing. Negative actions performed in one time can have a strange healing effect on another. It seemed that upon returning to present-day Lamahatch, the memory of his great-great-great-grandfather exiting the Cunningham home kept Lionel in quite good spirits. And when others laughed in his presence, Lionel no longer tried to hide or run away. Instead, he'd laugh too. Say what you will about Lionel Ficklesworth, but perhaps we all stand to gain from laughing at the past. The Lamahatch Laugh was written and directed by Ben Kempf. Our theme was composed by Garrett Vandenberg. Additional tracks from SoundDogs.com. Today's voice talent included Mark LaPointe and Ben Kempf. Thank you for joining us for A Bit of Time Travel. Thank you.